the Extraordinary Moms podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every week I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons that they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two moms parent in the same way. We should celebrate that and learn from one another. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today, and if you like what you hear, please share the show with a friend. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited for today's episode. My guest is Josie Howe. When Josie went in for her 20-week ultrasound, they had a surprising find. They already had two little girls at home. They were expecting their third, and they found out some unexpected news, that their baby had a heart problem and your baby has Down syndrome. They were very, very concerned about the prognosis for their sweet baby and their journey after baby's birth was nothing short of harrowing and trying. But man, is Josie an amazing, amazing mom. She's talking about when things don't go as planned, how she's re-envisioned setting goals and her perspective on life. Inevitably, when our challenges come about, it changes us, but usually it changes us for good if we allow it to. And that is certainly the case for Josie and her amazing, amazing family. So I'm so excited for, to introduce you to Josie Howe today. All right. I'm so excited to be chatting with Josie Howe this morning. Hi, Josie. Hi, Jessica. How are you? I'm so good. Is Josie your real name or is it a nickname of some sort? Nope, just Josie. I love it. I love it so much. It is the <laughs> happiest name. And I was just commenting on the cozy room that we are recording in. Uh, where are you located? It is in um, Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. So about an hour north of Milwaukee. So good. Whenever I think of Milwaukee, I think of Home Alone. Because isn't that where they're like trying to get to or they're coming from or like the polka band of... Where, where is that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It <laughs> That's is. Like, like my yeah, connection. Somewhere. I'm not exactly sure, but yes. <laughs> oh, well, I love it so much. I'm so excited to be chatting with you this morning, Josie, because when you reached out with your story, like these are the types of stories that I love to highlight. And these are the stories that we love to hear because as moms, we all go through such different motherhood experiences and our families look different and our challenges look different. But at the root of all of this is just this this mother bear warrior mentality. And our kids teach us so much and our experiences refine us so much. And I'm so excited to hear about your journey today, Josie. So thanks for reaching out. Oh, well, thank you again for having me. I'm so excited. Uh, sharing this story is powerful. And I hope, um, I hope the listeners can... Uh, understand some of this. Yeah, absolutely. So will you just give a little background on yourself and your family, just kind of the Cliff Notes version, Josie? Yeah, absolutely. So I am married to a guy named Ryan, and we have four beautiful daughters. Our oldest is six. That's Olive. We have a daughter, Elodie, who just turned five. Maya, who is three, and then Juniper is nine months old. Those are the best names ever. Wowee. <laughs> I feel like we're all going to talk all about names today, like your name and this. <laughs> Elodie. How do you spell Elodie? E L O D E E. And we actually pretty. call her Eddie because Olive, the oldest, couldn't say Elodie when she was born. So oh, how cute. she's our little Eddie. Oh, yeah. that is just darling. Okay, sorry. Keep keep <laughs> on going, but that's just darling. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, so yeah, we uh, knew we always wanted a big family, and before Ryan and I got married or had kids, I had brought up that we 
that I would be interested in having biological kids and then maybe adopting and then potentially even a baby who has Down syndrome. Hmm. So that was always something kind of on our radar as some uh, calling, uh, just a feeling that I've had. So when I was pregnant with my third daughter, uh, we went to the 20-week ultrasound and um, we're just kind of excited to find out the gender. This was the first time we were doing it. All the other ones, we were surprised. And we found out we were having our third little girl and she she surprised us with a few other findings from that ultrasound. Mm. Uh, she had some soft markers for having Down syndrome, but the biggie was uh, she had a heart defect and at the time, we didn't know which defect it was or if it was fixable or not. Uh, so we ended up having to go to Children's Hospital of Wisconsin, which has one of the best uh, heart departments in the country, actually. And uh, we found out that she had what was called an AV canal defect. Hey, everyone. It's hard to pick a spot to interrupt this amazing story, but I did want to thank a show sponsor that makes Extraordinary Moms podcast possible, and that is Crispy Green. Crispy Green was founded back in 2004 as a new snack brand, and their goal was to offer natural, delicious, healthy snacking options to consumers of all ages. And since then, they've become the number one freeze-dried fruit brand in the country. If you're like me, you're constantly on the lookout for new snacks to add to your kids' lunch, and Crispy Green is so fantastic because when fresh fruit may or may not be an option, it may not hold up well throughout the day, but freeze-dried fruit by Krispy Kreme is really, really amazing. Freeze-dried fruit actually holds 95% of all the nutrients of fresh fruit, which is super cool, and they taste like a little snack chip, which is great. Crispy fruit snacks are good for you, and they're delicious. And you guys, the flavor is so intense. My personal favorite is the strawberry. My kids like the pineapple and the mango as well. And what I love is they come in individualized packages, so I'm not constantly doing up among all my kids. I take a little pack, I put it in their lunch, and we're on the go. There's no sugar added, non-GMO, project verified, no additives or preservatives, gluten-free, dairy-free, vegan, peanut and tree nut-free, kosher certified, and they have a three-year, 36-month shelf life. So if you're building up your food storage, definitely give Crispy Green a try. You can use code TNT15 for 15% off all of their products, which I think is so, so amazing. You can go to shop.crispygreen.com, shop.crispygreen.com, and get 15% off with the code TNT15. Thanks so much to Crispy Green for sponsoring the show, and I hope that you can have this new snack food in your pantry soon. Now let's get back to it with Josie. So I'm putting myself in your shoes and we've all been there where, you know, we have seemingly smooth pregnancies. We have two healthy kids. The first two, you're excited for the second and you're not, or you're excited for the third and you're not expecting anything to go wrong, right? And then you go in for that ultrasound and yes, you're all, moms are always kind of holding their breath that everything kind of checks out, but mostly it's, it's the gender reveal and all of those things. What's it like? Yes. What's it like to have that scanning over your belly? And was the tech quiet? Was it like, how did you get that news? So, and I'm sorry if I cried because it this happened three years ago, but it still is such an emotional for me. Absolutely, especially when I'm talking about it to new people. So, yeah. it was one of the worst things I had experienced up until that point. And because she did, she just all of a sudden got really quiet. My husband works at the hospital I was getting the ultrasound at, 
and you know we kind of had gone through this a couple times and he was so he was there we found out the gender and all of a sudden she like was like all right I'm gonna grab the doctor and Ryan was like okay I think I'm gonna go back down to work once the doctor comes in and then the ultrasound tech said I think you should just wait here and so we knew that that wasn't a good sign and then the doctor came in they were scanning and looking and the doctor just put her hand on my leg and they told us, you know, I'm so sorry, but something is not right with her heart. We, I don't know what it is. You'll have to see a fetal um, medical medicine doctor and uh, fetal, go to fetal concerns down at Children's and they can give you more information. So that was on a Monday and they weren't going to be able to get us in until Thursday. And I'm and sure that I was just, the longest four days of your oh life. Oh my gosh. Well, I was sobbing, obviously. We yeah. were just a wreck. And I was like, is, can you please call? Like, is there anybody who can just squeeze us in tomorrow? Like, I need to know, is this, is this baby that I've been wanting, is, is she going to make it? Like, is this fixable? Mm-hmm. So thankfully, they did get us in on Tuesday afternoon. Mm. And even that, that it wasn't even a full 24 hours. But that was the worst up until things happened recently. Um, or after that, it was the worst 24 hours that um I ever had you know and I was trying not to google stuff I was trying I I just remember being in my bed crying Ryan was taking care of the other two because we had a one-year-old and a two-year-old at the time of this ultrasound so he was he jumped up and you know was making dinner putting them to bed and I just sat in the room crying and the funny thing is I knew um tissues weren't going to be enough so I just grabbed a a bath towel for all my tears I know my heart just breaks and I know there's moms listening who have been in that moment who have felt Mm. the intensity of those feelings and been in that waiting and and until you've been in that there's nothing you know that you can really describe to to get people there because Oh, that is a, that is a yeah. lot, and every minute seems like an eternity. And I think, even from from talking to a lot of women, once even you have concrete information, at least then you kind of have a plan or a vision, mm-hmm. or you can start to create that new normal or that new vision of what's next. But it's that sure. in between. Where it's mm. like, is this going to be okay? Am I going to meet my baby girl? Is this fixable? Like. That's torture. It is. It it really was. It was just awful. And I I that's why I like talking about it always makes me so choked up too because now she she's doing so well now and it's just I can get right back to that point and that feeling. Mm, <laughs> you know, yeah. just immediately again. Sure. And so you went to that appointment the next day with the specialist and were they able to offer you some hope immediately or where were you left then oh my goodness it was amazing the at children's of wisconsin the whole staff from every single person i interacted with was amazing and they uh gave us the answers that what it was it was this av canal defect where we she was born or she had three chambers in her heart instead of four Mm. so the septums never finished growing and it's a very common heart defect in children with down syndrome and um i found out later that 50 percent of people with down syndrome are also born with a heart defect so this av canal defect is really common and we opted to do an amniocentesis 
because I wanted to know for sure if she was going to have Down syndrome or not because I didn't want to spend the next half of my pregnancy with people saying, oh, she might not have it. It'll be okay. You know, like I just kind of wanted to get that over with. Like, no, she has it. And then like you were just mentioning, once we have an answer, we can start to process that. I didn't want to be in limbo any longer. Uh, So thankfully the, the amniocentesis came back. The geneticist told us she had Down syndrome and I, we were, that that's a hard pill to swallow. Mm -hmm. But like I had said earlier, we were kind of talking about Down syndrome being a part of our lives in some way. And I don't have a reason why it was just something I felt. So that kind of seemed right. But the heart defect and all the medical things that come along with Down syndrome, I wasn't anticipating. And so that was a very hard pill to swallow. Right. And, And I think the understanding of what Down syndrome truly means and can mean for an individual and the quality of life they can have, I think the messaging is improving because... Mm-hmm. I, you're going to speak to this. I can only imagine how delightful a child you have because anybody that oh. I've ever known who's a child with Down syndrome or an adult with Down syndrome, some of my most favorite people, Josie. So yeah. you know you know that now, but I also yeah. know, and every mom who has a child with Down syndrome can attest as well, that initial gut punch of, okay, this is a different child than I was envisioning. It doesn't mean it's the wrong yeah. child. It doesn't mean it's it's bad. But, okay, this is a different road for us. Yes, and and that's exactly it. And the Down syndrome community, which I didn't even know existed, was the most welcoming, open-arm group of people that I've ever encountered because everybody just gets it. Because, like you said, these our, our kiddos who have Down syndrome are amazing, and Maya is no exception to the rule. She is so full of fun and love. She makes us laugh. But there are also challenges that come with it, and it just wasn't the the child that you were picturing. And I think that there is a grieving process for that, uh, you know, as you would get with any diagnosis. Uh, but I think it's so powerful that she, you know, once you meet her, you just fall in love with her. Right. Oh, I love it. It just yeah. like that. It just gives me goosebumps because it's just like. There, there are no mistakes with these kids, you know, and, and yes, there, there, like you said, there are challenges, but all of our kids have, have different challenges that we're going to have to face <laughs> with them and support them through. So, okay. So you got that exactly. news and, and it did give you that, that confirmation helped you to be able to then start, start the processing and tell me about meeting Maya. How was the rest of your pregnancy? <laughs> and tell me about meeting your little baby girl. Yeah. So the rest of the pregnancy was super uneventful, which is kind of my favorite word, uneventful. (laughs) (laughs) If things can just be ordinary and simple and uneventful, I am a very happy mama. Sure. Uh, So the rest of the pregnancy was just like that. She was safe as long as she was in utero. You know, we didn't have to worry about anything. Just growing a healthy baby as best we could or as best I could. So she came just a week early. Uh, She needed a little bit of oxygen and was in the hospital for five days. She was taking a bottle. She, kids with Down syndrome sometimes have issues um, coordinating eating. So like the sucking, the swallowing, the breathing, all of that can, with their low muscle tone Mm -hmm. can cause some issues. Uh, She didn't really have that. Like I did have to hold her 
like give her some chin and cheek support as we were feeding her little bottles and all of that. So it was meeting her was wonderful. Bringing her home was so much joy and happiness. The big girls who again, well now they were two and one or three and one. They were so happy to have their little sister home. They just were doting upon her. And with this diagnosis, it always needs surgical intervention, but usually around four to six months of age. So the thought was she's going to grow, she's going to get bigger, and eventually we're going to look for signs of heart failure. Mm, wow. Maya went into heart failure at just five weeks old. Wow. And so that was, you know, she's just a newborn, and she wasn't really gaining weight. She was diagnosed with failure to thrive as well because her heart was just working so hard because without having that extra, the other chamber, the oxygenated blood and the deoxygenated blood mixed. So her body had to work so much harder and wasn't getting the oxygen it needed. And so um, about five weeks, we really started seeing the signs of heart failure. And um, by six weeks, we were in the hospital with her preparing for surgery. I have a now, he's nine months old this week. I can't even believe it, but mm-hmm. a nine month old. So we are still in that, I feel like that newborn stage. And I very recently was holding that perfect newborn with that perfect skin mm. and the just memorizing every bit. And I can't imagine looking at my baby, knowing what could be coming and not knowing the timeline, but they're just so vulnerable at five weeks and to have to hand them over and to the unknown that had to be really, really gut-wrenching. And you had two other little kids as well. I yeah. mean, the, I yeah. can't and even fathom. We, uh, well, and thankfully, we had such a great support system. You know, my sister uh, didn't have any children at the time, and so my girls just loved their Aunt Meg. Oh, wow. They loved going to my parents' house. So my other sister flew in from D.C. to help take care of the girls, while we were in the hospital so Ryan and I could both be by Maya's bedside because I I have never felt so broken as when Maya was in the hospital and my other girls were at home yes we the the surgery it was supposed to be a one and done surgery we were uh you know looking at 14 days of a stay is average and kids with Down syndrome really respond well to the surgery. And some kids in my research who have Down syndrome were going home after just six days. Oh my gosh. So wow. even though going into the hospital, it was awful and it was terrifying and scary. But we were also so hopeful because the day we had been dreading for months, it was, it was coming. Mm. And then we were going to be on the other side of it finally. That's not exactly how that all worked out. Yeah, so tell me about that. Yeah. Yeah. So Maya's first surgery, uh, she was seven weeks old at the time, and it was over eight hours from the time she left our arms to the time they we got to see her in the hallway after surgery. Uh, I had my husband holding her to hand him to hand her over to the anesthesiologist to take her back to the OR because I physically don't know if I would have been able to let her go, you know, like just giving your child to somebody for any sort of procedure is heartbreaking. But this knowing that they were going to be, she wasn't going to be breathing. She her, they were going to stop her heart. Like she was going to be, um, you know, life support, you know, heart lung bypass machine 
for hours while he fixed our wonderful surgeon, Dr. Mitchell, fixed her heart. And so it was eight hours of waiting in the waiting room. One of the best things Ryan and I did, though, was we asked everybody to wear the color pink on her surgery day. Mm. And so we were getting pictures from all over the country and some other parts of the world, too, of people wearing pink, sending love and prayers to Maya. And we also made little heart bracelets, these little support bracelets that we gave out to every single person. So, so many people were repre- like wearing their little pink heart bracelet and sending us pictures all day long. So that really broke up the eight hours of waiting uh, and just would bring smiles to our face because, you know, we're in the, the darkest days of our life and we still could find some joy and smile because of all the love that was being sent towards Maya. Yeah. So isn't, isn't that amazing yeah. that the hardest things that we go through often bring out the most beautiful blessings and the best in humanity and, and to be on the receiving end of that, I've just heard time and time again how remarkable that truly is and, and what a gift that is to people that, you know, a lot of times are the givers and the servers and the, and the people to <laughs> show up to then be forced to be on that receiving end and just receive the love, receive the blessings, receive the prayers that's that's really tender it was it was such a special gift and I never when we were making the bracelets it was my grandma my mom my sister myself and our daughters were helping uh, before my went into surgery I could never have imagined the sense of peace and support that they would bring It, it was it was just truly the best gift that I didn't even know we were doing at the time. Um, Because like you said, especially, you know, in the last few years too that we've had Maya, we have seen so many amazing people, you know, just giving to strangers out of the kindness of their hearts. So Mm. that was one of the, the greatest feelings. And that's why we started our business as well, to try to give that feeling to other people who are going through tough times yeah and we're going to talk about that that really special business you've created that's so awesome okay and so that eight hour surgery that that happens and then what yep so we were we got to see her and we were in her uh recovery room at the cardiac icu you know seeing your baby with all of these wires and chest tubes and art lines and beeping and the monitors and the medicine trees it is so overwhelming, but again, we were, we were kind of breathing easy because it was done. Mm. You know, we thought we were, her heart was fixed. All of this is just to keep her safe and healthy until we can bring her home. So she was very sedated, had her, she was on, um, the breathing, she had a breathing tube in and we, the nurses and everybody said, why don't you guys go back to the Ronald McDonald house, get some sleep and you know, we were exhausted. So we went and all of a sudden at 2 a.m. I woke up and kind of sat up in bed at the Ronald McDonald house. And I was like, oh my gosh, okay. Like I just had a feeling. And not 10 seconds later, my husband's phone starts ringing and it's the nurse. And she said, there's a problem. We need Maya back in surgery. You need to get here as soon as you can. So we ran in our pajamas to the hospital again. They called the entire surgical team back, and by 3 o'clock in the morning, on Thanksgiving, mind you, all of these medical professionals left their families, left their beds, and came back in and had to 
do surgery on Maya again because her mitral valve was leaking. There was a tear in one of uh, her in her mitral valve, and she was dying again. And they took her back in for an emergency surgery. And so the surgeon worked on her for four and a half hours. And after that four and a half hours of more excruciating waiting, he told us that she was done and she, everything was looking much more stable. Mm. Wow. Wow. (laughs) And something that just occurred to me, Josie, is you're thinking of how teeny tiny a heart of a five or seven week old at that time must be right the fact that they can work on a teeny tiny little section of a teeny tiny organ in a seven week old (laughs) for eight hours and then four and a half hours does that just blow your mind like how tedious like it does how do these absolute miracle workers do this it is unbelievable i know yeah so her heart was the size of a walnut see that's even smaller than i thought (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) Wow. And he was working inside a one centimeter hole inside her heart, building up the septum, like what? creating a septum that wasn't there. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Whew, that yeah, is just and there's these mind-blowing. leaflets that they have to sew together. And, you know, mm-hmm. I don't want to get too technical, but they said it's like trying to sew uh, wet tissue paper together. I... That's how delicate these tissues are. Gifted, gifted medical providers. Wow, that is unbelievable. That is really, yes. truly amazing. So she was left in a more stable place. Great. So yes. I'm sure that made you, yes. was music to your ears at that point. Oh, it was. That was such a whirlwind because that first surgery we were prepared for for months. The second one, we were, it just came out of nowhere. You know, we had to run into the room and she was, they had her on ice because they have to lower her body temperature. Mm -hmm. The room was all lit up. People were moving and it it was just a whirlwind. And then it was such a short surgery compared to the one just a few hours ago. So the next few days were just very quiet and which is a wonderful thing. Mm, Uneventful. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So they were giving her, you know, just time to heal time for that heart to kind of scar up and get a little stronger. And, you know, so she was after a few days, she's losing certain lines and she's losing chest tubes, which is all good things. Um, But then one day we were moved up to the next floor, which is just kind of the step down unit. So not as intense. We're kind of thinking she's going to be going home soon. Ryan comes home because now we've been in the hospital for over two weeks. Ryan went home to relieve my sisters from watching the girls. He was trying to get our house kind of set up, being prepared to bring for Maya and I to come home. When the cardiologist during a uh, rounds examination heard a murmur. And then the next day she heard a gallop. And so she ordered an echo just to kind of see what was going on in her heart. And sure enough, that mitral valve tore again. Oh. And she needed her third surgery. Oh. Oh. Just when you're thinking yes. you're about <laughs> there to be set back like that. Oh, how yeah. did you handle that? How did you stay strong during oh. that time? Oh, I didn't. I don't feel. And that's um, fine. That's always, fine, too. Yeah. Uh, well, I always thank the Ronald McDonald House because those bathrooms are where I could have my panic attack. I could go and take wow. a shower and have a panic attack in the shower. 
gather myself and get back to Maya's bedside because that's where I needed to be. And, you know, everybody says, like, I don't know how you do it. Right. And I always just respond, you don't have a choice. You know, like, you just, this is what is happening, and you just show up and do what you can. And so it was, I'll never forget walking back after seeing the echo and seeing the leak, and it it was torrential, the doctor had said. I walked to the Ronald McDonald House, because it was this time three years ago that this was all happening, and it was like sleeting and snowing and raining, and the weather was just like pelting me across the face. And I just remember being like, oh, thank you. Like, yes, this is awful. The weather gets it. Like, it was angry weather. And I was so upset and angry. And not at anybody, but just at our situation. Like, how much does this precious little baby have to fight through just to be here? So I'll never forget that feeling of that sleet on my face. Um, Just, yeah, so we ended up needing another surgery. And again, it was just, a, it, it was ridiculous. Like trying, Ryan came down that day through that sleet and that rain to be with us. And, um, you know, we weren't sure if she was going to make it. Like what, what happens if this doesn't work? What right. happens if this valve keeps leaking? What happens or tearing? Like what's the next step? Hmm. Yeah, you know, thankfully, we didn't have to go to that next step. But those were questions that we asked our cardiologist and our surgeon. And um, thankfully, this the third time, it was a Tuesday that she went in. Again, we asked everyone to wear pink and show their bracelets. He Dr. Mitchell had to take everything down that he had done. So again, working on a walnut, (laughs) the hardest size of a walnut, one centimeter hole, taking that all down and then rebuilding it and he moved like one of the leaflets less than one millimeter to the right and that was the thing that solved it so she was in the operating room for over nine hours that day oh my gosh I can't (laughs) I can't I can't imagine and so then after that nine hours were you given you know another vote of confidence that okay we think this is it this time or were yep. even the doctors like getting nervous about you know what was sure well and he said he has very rarely less than five times i think he said had to go in for a second repair mm. and he said he will he never has had to go in for a third repair mm. and i remember saying like oh so you're always going to remember maya <laughs> and he said i will never forget maya oh. and just that like you know, because people just care, like this is yeah. their job, but it's their passion and it's their gift. And they all were every single person who was on our team was fighting for her and doing the very best they could for her. And, you know, thankfully, you know, they said she tolerated it well. She ended up in the from the first surgery to the third surgery was all within 10 days. Mm. So she and in those 10 days she had to be on bypass uh, the heart lung machine at five different times throughout her surgeries and so that caused some problems um for her as well afterwards but um but thankfully she was out of surgery and again we were just hoping to give her time to heal (laughs) yeah yeah 
And obviously, you've you've alluded to now she's a happy, spunky, you know, this was three years ago. <laughs> and, you know, we know that the story does end well. But I do wonder yeah. for you, Josie, as, you know, you've allowed yourself to to be hopeful, you get pregnant, and then there's kind of a, ugh, like, what if, like, change of, change of course. And then you allow yourself to be hopeful that this surgery will work, and then you kind of get brought back. Mm-hmm. How has that kind of changed or what have you learned about hoping and and about planning and about clinging to anything concrete in the future when you know, and we all know darn well, we can't control <laughs> things in the future, but we all struggle in that way. What have you learned about that? So it's very interesting and I'm still processing through all of this. Sure. There was a lot of trauma that we've gone through um, and so... I think the biggest thing for me is I have a hard time speaking in absolutes. So, you know, even to have, I was 32 at the time, to have a baby who has Down syndrome, I there was a one in 750 chance of that happening. Mm-hmm. And it happened. Mm-hmm. And I, there's a 50% chance she needed surgery. And that happened. And there's not, there has never been a surgery that I'm aware of there it needed three times to fix. So Mm -hmm. anything that has to do with uh, percentages of likelihood kind of mean nothing to me anymore because we've already been on the, the side that the side that doesn't do so well sometimes, you know, we, the surgery, there's a 98% survival rate for an AV canal defect. So it's a, it's a great heart defect to have if you had to pick one. Right. But we were really close to being in that 2%. And so it, it has helped, or it's hard for me to speak in absolutes, but it also has helped me just not hold on too tightly to things. The idea of what my life is going to look like, the idea of what my children are going to be, you know, just anything. I just kind of take it as it comes and make the best of it. You know, I just because you just never know what's going to happen. And so many things have happened that I could never have guessed. So I just kind of try really hard just to take it as it comes and not hold on too tightly to anything. Yeah. And I'm really sorry you had to learn that this way. (laughs) No one would, (laughs) would choose that, but that really is a really beneficial and powerful way to live your life. And I'm sure you live with much more gratitude and much more, you know, presence than, you know, people that haven't been through this. Do you think so? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, there's a picture that I have of Maya who climbed into our sensory table and threw all of the beans that I had in there, threw them all (laughs) over the lawn or the living room. And I was like, okay, this is a big mess and I don't want to get stressed out. So I was like, hey. She climbed up there. That is great motor planning and strength building for <laughs> yes, her. Yes. The sensory input that she had rolling around in all those beans. That's great, you know. Right. And I just cleaned it up instead right. of getting upset. Like there's so many other big things that I could that were bigger than just the mess. Yeah. You know that any time that I that you know she I just think she's here. Anything else is fine. You know, this mess is fine or this issue that comes up, we will just deal with it as it comes, you know? That's so good. That is so, so powerful. And we can all do that. We don't have to wait for the trauma or the tragedy. 
we can hear from you and say, yep, I want more of that in my life. And I can, I can choose how worked up I get over spilled milk or spilled beads or whatever. And instead, take your picture and, and celebrate that, yeah, she climbed up. Look at that. Like, the, if, the do, if the doctor could see her now, right? And I'm sure right? it's just mind-blowing. That is just so wonderful. Something that I've heard from other parents of children with special needs of, of any kind is sometimes there's some concern initially about their other children and about, you know, whether it's the attention they're able to give them or – you know, just, just different things like that. The dynamic kind of shifts when there are significant needs, be it medical or otherwise. How have your older girls, and, and now you have a fourth baby as well. We haven't even talked about that. Um, how have they benefited from having Maya as their little sister? Oh, man. Um, sorry, I'm just getting a little choked up because I am so proud of my, my girls. Mm. They are just the sweetest most empathetic kids and they understand you know they see Maya's scars and we explained it that she had a sick heart and she needed the doctors to fix it and so they are so thankful for those doctors too without fully understanding it they they've said it many times throughout the years like I'm just really glad those doctors could fix her heart Mm. and I'm always like yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> um, and with her having Down syndrome, we talk about it all the time. And we read books about it. And we just talk about how everybody has differences. And just because Maya has an extra chromosome, like, you know, I don't know how many now five and six year olds talk <laughs> about chromosomes, but my kids do. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, they just, they just know her as their sister. And that she's had some other things that have happened, but really they just treat her like her, their sister. They don't know any different and they just are so kind and helpful. And I think too, whenever they see somebody who has a, a disability, whether it just be a wheelchair or, or not just a wheelchair, I'm sorry, whether they have a disability of it, them being in a wheelchair or having down syndrome or, you know, maybe missing a part of their arm or something, they will just have the kindness and the thoughtfulness to say, ask me, what do you think happened? You know, and, and that's how I want our, my kids and our friends and anybody, you know, it's okay to ask questions if out of the kindness of your heart, you know, asking questions, isn't a bad thing. It's knowledge is power. And so we don't have to not talk about things because they're taboo. Like, Maya has Down syndrome. We can talk about that very neutrally. You know, it is just a fact. And so I'm very excited to watch them grow up and just see where their lives take them because they've just been exposed to a lot more things than I know I was when I was a five-year-old little girl. So Mm. I'm very proud of them. Oh, I bet. That just sounds so wonderful that you've been able to to see see the the blessings and the benefits and just the strengthening that comes from just having more awareness of everybody has differences and the compassion that can come from getting a front row seat to little Maya and gosh mm-hmm. it just is so cool that you know from the time she was born to she's only 3 like imagine the impact imagine the shift of perspective and that she's able to have on people around her and will continue to have like 
That's pretty awesome to have that in your family, Josie. Yeah. That's really special. Thank you. I think that's Thank really you. It neat. is. It, it's very magical to witness, you yeah. know, just even walking down the aisles of the grocery store, people will literally stop and smile and like kind of make eyes at Maya. Yeah. And, you know, and, and Maya, she's just so funny. Like she'll walk past somebody and kind of like hit their little leg as they're walking by <laughs> and just kind of look at them like... <laughs> saying hi to you you know yeah. it's just so she does so many little things that just make people smile and what a gift that is yeah. you know yeah but. absolutely and that's not to discount there won't also be challenges down the road for sure for her and but the perspective yeah. that you've already gained and will continue to implement throughout her life of you know, you just take it. You take it one step at a time and you don't cling too tightly to any one vision. That will get you through absolutely anything. So, and the fact that you have, so how old's your oldest now? Six? So you have four, six. four under six. Holy yes. moly. You're a, <laughs> truly a champion, extraordinary mom. I have four under 12. So there we go. <laughs> You're awesome. Oh, well, thank you. Josie, this has just been such an inspiring episode because hearing from moms like you I I have not been through anything like what you've been through but I just feel so connected to you and I too welled up with tears thinking of your other daughters and just what you've been through it just helps us to have so much more perspective of what others might be going through we have no idea the iceberg you know what's underneath the iceberg and the things people have been through or are currently going through. And so just treating other people with, with grace and love and, and showing up when people are going through something hard, you know, it just, I'm sure you can attest, like it's it's beyond, (laughs) it's beyond. Where can people find you because you are making medical bracelet or not medical bracelets, but bracelets for people going through medical challenges. Tell people where they can find that and just a little bit about that. Yeah, so I'm not that busy, right? Four kids under six no. and one with special needs. <laughs> so we started our own little business. <laughs> um, so we make these sweet bracelets. Our company is called The Love for Littles. And we hand make these bracelets to, and we put them on like a little prayer card or, um, you know, just to remind people to send positive vibes, prayers, send love to little kids who are fighting big battles. Uh, congenital heart defects affect one in 100 babies and it is more more kids unfortunately die from um, heart defects than cancers and other medical things as well and so these bracelets are for anybody though fighting any kind of battle so heart defect we've done some for cancers or, or I'm sorry we've done some for people who have heart defects we've done them for kids who are fighting through cancer we've done them for cleft palates you know the the list is endless and so you can find us on instagram or facebook at the love for littles um our website is thelovefortlittles.com and uh we right now actually on my facebook and instagram i'm going through and typing out our story in um because it was three years ago at this time. So there's even more to the story than I got to share today. I could talk, you know, for another three episodes about everything that we've gone through. But um, if you're interested to learn more or to learn about some of the other kids that we are uh, supporting through these bracelets, and, uh, you know, feel free to check us out there. And if you know anybody, a big part of this was why we started our business was nobody knows what to do. I had so many people come to me when we had our diagnosis what can I do? 
mm-hmm. and there wasn't anything. I was like, I, I need this to be fixed. So I, that's all I need. I, I don't need anything else. I just need her to be fixed, her heart to be fixed. But these bracelets proved so much more than um, just a reminder. It made me feel so connected and supported by so many people. And because heart defects or any sort of diagnosis affects the family, but it also affects all the people surrounding um, the child as well. So these bracelets just kind of bring a sense of connection and support, which during these times is very, very important. Yeah. So whether it's the bracelets or wearing all pink and posting your pictures, just that level of support can mean more than you even know. It may feel like a small act to you, but to the person on the receiving end, wow, that is really amazing. Well, I'm going to link to everything at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com so they can follow along. And definitely if you know anybody that would benefit from these bracelets and you, or if you just feel compelled and want to support, that'll be linked over there. Josie, I always ask my guests one final question, and it's this. What would you tell your pre-motherhood self? Oh, Jessica, this question. (laughs) I have been thinking about this so much because there's so many things. But the one I think is the most meaningful to me, and hopefully your listeners, is um, always give 100%, but also realize that 100% looks different every single day. That some days 100% is a home-cooked meal and we're playing games and reading stories. And other times, 100% is mac and cheese for dinner and Daniel Tiger in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. You, you, that no matter what, you you show up and give the best that you can, and it's okay that it looks different every day. That is so good. Have you ever read the Four Agreements book? Oh, yes. Yeah, so, so one of those is always do your best, knowing that your best looks different in different seasons, Mm. day to day, but you can still lay down at night knowing if you put in your best effort, like you, you're doing the, you're doing good. You're doing awesome, (laughs) you know, but it's certainly going to look different in the Ronald McDonald house. It's certainly going to look different when you're sleep deprived. It's certainly going to look different (laughs) when you have a full night's sleep. Your best looks different, but you can always commit to doing whatever that best is. I love that. Yes, and giving yourself grace when it, it that That's it's right. okay. That's right. <laughs> it's okay. That's right. Josie, thank you much for bleh. Josie, thank you so much for sharing your story today. You are truly extraordinary, and I'm so honored that you wanted to share your story on Extraordinary Moms. Oh well, thank you so much for having me. I absolutely loved getting to know Josie and having her on the show. I'll link to everywhere you can find her at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at JessicaDocus3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. Thanks again for tuning in today, and we will see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.